You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Lot on Mets, part of the Lacton Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on Mets. Today is a big day for Mets fans as we are finally at the point where the Wilpon era is ending and the Cohen era is beginning. At 1.30 p.m., the other owners will be voting on whether or not to approve this purchase of the team. We still have the Mayor de Blasio sideshow, which I'm going to talk about in the first half of the show. But everyone believes by end of Friday, at least the owner's vote will go in Cohen's favor. De Blasio is a little bit more up in the air, as I'll talk about. And so we'll get through all that today. And then over the weekend, hopefully, we get some great positive stories as Steve Cohen's Mets finally get to work. Later on in the second half of the show today, after talking about de Blasio, I do want to touch on the players with options for the Mets, Dylan Batances and Brad Brock, go through what their decisions are going to be as they are the only options left hanging over the Mets after they already declined the team options on Robinson Chirinos, Todd Frazier, and Wilson Ramos. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So let's just talk about this de Blasio thing, because it has been all over the news over the last 48, 72 hours. It's nonstop. It's annoying. I don't like talking about it. I don't like writing about it. I'm sick of reading about it. It's ridiculous. And all of the reports have indicated that between the Wilpons, the Katz family, and Cohen through this long process, they have eliminated all these variables. They went through the language of the stadium lease. There was law firms, multiple law firms, digging through the details, making sure there was going to be no hiccups in this process because the Wilpons and Katz families want to cash in the $2.475 billion sale of their team, and Cohen wants to get to work. And what Mayor de Blasio is doing by going through this process and making it seem like it's not a fait accompli that this is going to go through, he's basically just irritating the crap out of Mets fans. And he is holding this franchise into this period of limbo where the owners could vote and approve Steve Cohen and you still have to wonder what's going on with de Blasio. Here's what I really think is happening. Mayor de Blasio, Jerry Reinsdorf, Alex Rodriguez, these are all people who are friendly and I think they all were trying to push towards the Alex Rodriguez group taking over this team. De Blasio doesn't like billionaires like Cohen And so between all of these like-minded individuals who don't want Cohen to take over, 
they have made this a big story heading into this ownership vote. So now Jerry Reinsdorf is trying to rally the troops going owner by owner on his phone. This is just, this is me guessing. This is hyperbole. I don't have any reported facts on this, but I'm just telling you what I think is happening behind closed doors. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf does not want Cohen to buy the Mets. They leaked this information. They caused this story. This is all in the newspapers. And so now he's going to say, you know, do you really want to bring this shady individual into our boys club of ownership? And Reinsdorf is going person by person trying to get the votes against Steve Cohen. Once that fails, once the ownership vote comes through, then at that point, de Blasio is really out on an island. He is the last thing standing in the way of Mets fans getting what they want, of Steve Cohen getting the team. He'd be going against not only the wishes of those parties, but also the wishes of a majority of the owners of Major League Baseball. There is no chance that this holds up. Through all the great reporting that has been done on this story, and particularly that of Deisha Thosser of the New York Daily News, everyone is saying that de Blasio's best hope is to just drag this thing out. Like, There's not really a clear path to him stopping this sale of the Mets, but he is trying to find loopholes, and if he wants to, he can dig his feet, and this process can take a long time, and that will hurt the Mets because Steve Cohen won't be able to get to work and start going through the process of the offseason. But when you listen and you read reports where you're talking about law firms who are saying Steve Cohen could sue de Blasio if he stops this and he would maybe win a lawsuit against the mayor, I just do not see how the juice is worth the squeeze here. So I really do believe, as some of you are listening to this, everything might have already gone through. The ownership vote, de Blasio's approval, Steve Cohen might be throwing a private party for some of his closest friends as the new owner of the Mets. We may be getting, over the weekend, the Steve Cohen introduction to the media and the beat. We may be getting Sandy Alderson's return. All of that good stuff over the weekend. I expect to have to record some podcasts over the weekend for some of the good news that might come out. Hopefully... I don't have to record another one of those depressing episodes like I did whenever the first sale fell apart. I can't even remember when that was at this point. It was January. I do remember that episode, though, having to say, oh, guess Steve Cohen's not going to be the owner of the Mets. I surely hope that's not the case. I don't believe that will be the case. I think we are going to be celebrating Friday night. I think the Mets are on the dawn of a much better era of baseball, but hopefully this all happens quick. That's the last part of this. You just need everything to go through right now because as we're going to talk about in just a minute here, looking over some of the guys with player options, free agency is getting underway. Trades need to be made or could be made. Even though everyone is ready for the Wilpons to be gone. As bad as they've been, as much as you didn't want Jeff Wilpon and Bertie Van Wagen and making any more decisions for the Mets. It still is worse to have nobody at the wheel. And that's what would happen if this thing got dragged out. And I don't think anyone wants to feel the wrath 
of Mets fans if they have to go through a period of limbo. That's why I think everything's going to go through. Fingers are crossed. Again, I'm recording this late Thursday night. So right now, I'm in a period of waiting. Hopefully, as a lot of you listen to this, it is nothing but happy days ahead. When we get back in just a minute, going to talk about Dylan Batansis and Brad Brock and their decisions with their player options. Built Bar is back with 18 amazing flavors, including the six new flavors, the Caramel Brownie Bar, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars. Come covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are healthy too. These bars come low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Right now, the Mets have a long list of players set to hit free agency. Their pitchers include Marcus Stroman, Jared Hughes, Orosmo Ramirez, Michael Waka, Justin Wilson, and Rick Porcello. Ioannis Cespedes, Jake Marisnik, Eduardo Nunez, the ghost of Jed Lowry, Rene Rivera, Robinson Chirinos, Wilson Ramos, and Todd Frazier are all going to be free agents. Those last three in Ramos, Chirinos, and Frazier had their team options all declined. Now we're left with two players who are still trying to decide what they want to do for the upcoming season. And Dylan Batansis and Brad Brock, who have player options. Now I just rattled off all those pitchers. The Mets are going to need to add a ton of depth to their bullpen and their rotation heading into next season. You'd like to see Stroman come back. I could see Jared Hughes potentially coming back. I could see Justin Wilson as a guy that might come back, I don't believe Porcello or Walker are going to come back. Or Rosman Ramirez, that's a guy that you know you could always sign to another minor league contract, and he can win a job out in spring training. Still, though, you look at Patantis and Brock, and these are guys who have great resumes. The back of their baseball card looks great. What are they going to give you in 2021? Should they go out and hit the open market? If you look at Brad Brock, I think this is a pretty easy decision because I'm not positive at 35 years old if there is that many major league offers for him. You're talking about a pitcher that has a good career, can be valuable out of anybody's bullpen, but when you have as many teams who are hurting financially, there's certainly not big money out there for Brock. But also, the major league contract is one that might be elusive to some of these guys. I think Jake Marisnik is going to be in a similar boat. I believe he'll get a major league deal, but he's not going to get great money. And for Brock, if you're a team that has a lot of these guys in the minor leagues, you might think, you know what? I could pay a minor leaguer $500,000 to win a job out of spring training, or if he does win a job out of spring training. Or I can pay Brad Brock. 1.25. I mean, I could save $700,000 potentially. Do I really need Brad Brock? I think he's in that boat 
where there's just not a clear path for him heading into free agency, where instead he could take a deal with the Mets, remain with the team he grew up rooting for, cash in $1.25 million as his base salary. There's incentives on that contract as well. So there's escalators based on games pitch. So he can get $125,000 if he pitches in 20 games, which is pretty surefire. So right there, you're at what? $1,375,000? And then the other bonuses are based or incentives are based on 30 games pitched, 35, 40, 45, 50, 60, and 65. For each of those benchmarks, he collects an additional $350,000. So I don't think it is outside of the realm of possibility that Brock would get to, what, at least 40, 45 games pitched? And then you're talking about another million dollars in incentives. Could potentially get to 1.5 very easily. That is a deal that I think he can't pass up. I don't know if he finds that in free agency. So I think Brad Brock is going to be back. Now, Dylan Batances is a much more interesting case for the Mets because he is sitting here with a player option, but the player option includes a $3 million buyout if he declines it. Not often do you see that. Usually a team option, if declined, will result in a buyout. Or if there's a mutual option, that's something that you would see. A player option with a buyout is rare. That really shows you the value of this one-year deal that Patance has signed. It was to revamp his value and hit the market with a little bit of fallback if he had a down year. So he signs the one-year deal worth $10.5 million, gets the $5.3 million signing bonus. Also, on top of that, you had that buyout in the back of your mind. If he chooses to stay with the Mets, he'll make a $6.8 million base salary. And part of that is there was escalators in his contract based on his performance in 2020. So if he pitched in 40 games, and this was instead prorated down, obviously, with the shortened season, he would have got $800,000. So he did hit that benchmark. He did not hit the benchmark needed for 50, 60, and 70 games which would have been an extra million dollars on top. So if he had been healthy all year and pitched the equivalent of 70 games in the shortened season, he would be looking at a $9.8 million player option right now instead of 6.8. So you look at that, and now he's in this position where he can hit the open market, collect his $3 million, and try to find a base salary of four out there, $4 million, which I think some teams would possibly sign him to, or he can go back and pitch with the Mets again. There's also a 2022 player option that will vest depending on games pitched. So if he pitches in 50 games in 2021, there will be a million-dollar player option on the table. That will go up to $2 million if he hits 60 games, $3 million if he hits 70 games. So he has a little bit of flexibility to go back to the Mets if he has another year where he doesn't pitch well, but he pitches a lot. He could still have another major league contract in him for the following season. I look at this, though, and if I'm Betances, do I really want the 3.8 extra I'm going to get to return to the Mets and try once again to revamp my value and 
Maybe I have one last shot at a lucrative contract or do I want to see what's out there on the open market and see if my agent can once again give me a contract that's favorable, that has incentives that maybe I can make more money in the short term and potentially the long term. I could see a number of teams looking at Batances and seeing the resume despite the bad year in a shortened season. I could see them saying, you know what? We'll give you a, a $2.5 million base, but we're going to put similar incentives based on games pitched. So if you reach 40 games pitch, you get another million. And there's a world where Batances can sign a contract that has a similar base to what he'd be giving up with incentives that far outweigh his current contract. And you look at the player option that vests based on the game's pitch of the $1 million, $2 million, or $3 million contract, I don't look at that as, as great value. I don't. I look at that and I say, that's something that most teams would bake into their contract because if Dylan Batansis were to pitch 50 games for us, that must mean that he was pretty good. So, okay, a $2 million player option, he's not going to accept it anyway. And if he's really bad, you just don't pitch him that many games. You just cut him, quite honestly. If he's really bad again, you don't let him get to a point where he gets a player option. Unless there's a buyout cooked in in some fashion, you don't have to worry about it. So I see Batances on the open market being able to find something similar to this contract that he's currently under. It just depends on how comfortable he was in New York with the Mets if he wants to remain here. Or if he wants to see what's out there, if he thinks there's another team that's closer to a World Series or another team out there who can help him in his path back to being an all-star type pitcher again, maybe that is something he wants to look at. Maybe he wants all those avenues open to him. And that buyout gives him the flexibility to do that. Still, if I'm his agent and with all the uncertainty going into free agency right now, I'd probably tell him just to sign on the dotted line Keep the guaranteed money you are entitled to. Don't worry about what could be out there because it might not be much. So if I had to bet on it, I believe both Brock and Batances will accept their player options. But if I had to pick one that would decline, I think it's probably Batances. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, the next time I'm talking to you guys, the Mets are owned by Steve Cohen and the Wilpons are gone. We'll see if there's something we're talking about over the weekend. Otherwise, catch me right here on Locked On Mets this coming Monday. As always, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.